Thank you for joining us for the True Life Fellowship Church podcast. Here is today's message from Pastor Devon Alexander. Open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 26 and meet me at verse 14. Matthew chapter 26 and meet me at verse 14. I am inspired today. I am on assignment today have a word from God for you that I've never preached before. So y'all pray for me that I communicate this with articulation and clarity and that it will benefit your life. want to welcome everybody worshiping with us in the building. Thank you so much for attending today. Welcome everybody worshiping with us online. Thank you. Everybody watching the replay. Thank you. Those of you listening to the podcast in the car. Thank you so much for worshiping with us today. Matthew 26 and verse 14 says, Then one of the twelve, called Judas, went to the chief priest and said, What are you willing to give me if I deliver him to you? And they counted out to him 30 pieces of silver. So from that time, he sought opportunity to betray him. Uh, several weeks ago, I picked up my children from school and one of them got in the vehicle and I said, how was your day today? And uh, he said, my friend, and he named the friend, my friend betrayed me. And I said, what, wait, wait, what did you say? And he said, my friend betrayed me. Now, I have to tell you about this because this This did my heart so, so good to hear him say this because when he was born, he didn't talk as soon as we thought he should have talked. I just thought he was a quiet boy and didn't talk much. And uh, Stacy says, no, I think I think we might need to get him checked out. He's not talking as as soon as we as we kind of think he should. I was like, well, you know, he's quiet. And uh, the, the truth be told, many of us feel like our kids, there's nothing wrong with our kids, that our kids are the perfect thing to, to everything. And we fail as parents sometimes to realize that no child is born perfectly. Let me say it again. No child is born without any imperfections or any deficits. That's why it's amazing that we have people in our fellowship, in our congregation, like Kara Gathers, Jeannie Burgess, Kelly Sawyer, who's worshiping with us online. They're they're OTs. They they help with developmental skills and things. And sometimes as believers, faith people, we think, well, ain't nothing wrong with my kid. I'm just going to speak the word over him and I'm not going to get the practical help that's necessary. That's foolish. It's foolish. I was talking to a couple and something was clearly off with their daughter. Clearly. I said, you might want to get them checked out. Oh, no. By God's grace and God's everything's going to be all right. Uh, we, we do live in the 21st century and it's OK to tap into an occupational therapist. Somebody say amen. amen. And so Stacy was like, can I can I take them just to get them checked out and and I got a friend right now who something's clearly going on with the child, but he will not take the child in because he feels like, well, the, well I, it's going, everything's going to work out. It's okay. It's okay. This is why Kara works and Jeannie work and Kelly work full time to help our children develop. Amen. Amen. 
and grow. And so she did. She took him in and they said, you know what? He's behind on some speech things and some comprehension sort of things. And I said, "Okay, draw up, write up what is going on. They wrote up what was going on. I grabbed every problem they said he had and I got a scripture on it. And I began to declare the solution of God's word over everything they said was wrong. And this is what you should do in your life, too. Don't just embrace it. Don't just accept it. God has a solution for it. God's got a blessing with your name on it. Glory to God. And so I wrote up every a scripture and I began to declare some things over him at them at the same time. There was a lady by the name of Dana and, and Sueta that began to help him. And we took him in and he began to get some speech therapy and he began to get some assistance. And we began to pray over him and he was getting assistance at the same time. Then we took him in to get checked and they said there are no delays. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. He is on par, on course, no delays. Everything is all right. Glory to God. Somebody say amen. Amen. And so I'm excited about that. So when he steps in the car and he says, my friend betrayed me. Oh, my gosh. I almost started crying. I thought, oh, wow. I said, well, what did your friend do? He said, well, these girls were chasing us. And uh, and me and my friend were running from these girls and they kept chasing us all recess. Oh, this, you know, and he's running and they're chasing us. And all of a sudden, my friend turns And he starts chasing me, too. He teamed up with the girls, and he's chasing me, and the girls are chasing me. He betrayed me. I said, that's exactly what the word means. You're right. I'm like, I'm so sorry he he betrayed you. Well, the the next day, he comes home, and Stacey says, how were you acting in school today? He said, it's complicated. I'm over there laughing because I know the growth and the development and the progress and the advancement he's making. I'm laughing. Stacy is getting on to him. Talking, what you mean is complicated? And she's like, he told some story and she's like, well, why did you do that? He goes, I told you it's complicated. <laughs> and she's like, why are you not helping me? She turns to me. Devon, why are you not helping? I'm like, I'm just thrilled at the expansion of his vocabulary when we were told he couldn't be on par with the other kids. But look at what the Lord has done. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. He's on par. He's on pace. He is exactly where he's supposed to be. And God's grace is sufficient. And so he comes into the car and says, my friend betrayed me. And it reminded me of what we see here with Judas. Now, understand, Judas is one of Jesus's hand selected 12 disciples. Judas has spent three, three and a half years with Jesus all day, every day, traveling with Jesus. He's seen all the mighty miracles. He's heard all the revelatory um, sermons. He has heard heart-to-heart conversations with Jesus. He has seen people healed. He's seen people delivered. He's seen people set free. He's seen everything that Jesus has seen because he is right there with Jesus. Jesus taught him how to pray. Jesus taught him how to lay hands on the sick. 
Jesus taught them how to share the word. Jesus taught them about the kingdom. He has seen everything Jesus has seen. And then he has the audacity to go to the chief priests unsolicited and said, how much would you give me if I betray him? Have you ever been betrayed? I mean, just think about this for a moment. Have you ever been betrayed? And the only way you can be betrayed is if you have trusted a good friend, a good family member, a loved one, maybe a spouse, maybe a leader, maybe a pastor, you've shared secrets with them. You've given them your confidence. You've told them about your dreams and future. They know things about you that no one else knows. Then and only then can you be a candidate to be betrayed. See, when you are betrayed, it is because you have shared intimacy with someone and then they because of a flaw in themselves they begin to lie begin to cheat begin to steal begin to manipulate and then begin to deceive you have you ever been betrayed have you ever marveled at how disloyal this person has been to you have you ever just wondered how could they have done that? And there's pain associated with it. Uh, the analogy behind it is it's like feeling like you've been stabbed in the back. You've been betrayed. You've been utterly deceived and manipulated. Can I go deeper? Have you ever betrayed a friend, a loved one, a spouse? A pastor, a leader, a confidant. Have you ever betrayed someone? And see, when a betrayal takes place, it causes a lot of emotional pain, a lot of brokenheartedness, a lot of mistrust. And by God's grace today, if you came in here with a broken heart, you will not leave the same way you came in today. Healing is taking place in this building Online, on the podcast, healing is taking place today because Jesus came to heal broken hearts. Recently, I was uh, I was counseling. I don't do a lot of counseling. Uh, there are professional counselors that do a better job than me. To me, it's here's my counseling. Stop being selfish. That's my counsel. You want to come to me and you have something going on? Stop being selfish. And if you can stop being selfish, everything will be all right. But I do know that some people want to sit down and talk a little bit more and their professional counselors do a great job. But I had, a, I had a, two friends that had known each other for a very long time since grade school. And one of them was dating a young lady, both single. One of them dating a, a young lady, uh, had some challenges with this young lady, began to share with his friend some of the challenges he had with her, some of the challenges they had in their relationship. He confided within his friend all of these challenges, so on and so forth. Him and the young lady ended up breaking up, and he ended up moving to another state. Well, the friend decided, I want to date the young lady. So he, he puts his game down, you know, and, and give, you know, goes after her, and, and next thing you know, they're dating. And these two, the other friend found out, like, wait a minute, you're dating the young lady that 
that I had challenged with. I shared all of the secrets that I shared everything. And now you're going to take all of that and use it to your advantage to now be with her after I shared everything with you. He felt betrayed. Well, the one friend was like, well, you moved to another state and it's, it's open, you know, it's open season, right? That's how he felt. The other one feels, I feel betrayed. I tried by God's grace and every Otis, every ounce of anointing that I have on my life to get them to reconcile, to forgive, to get back together. They have not spoken. They have not spoken since friends, since childhood. Him, the second guy that dated the same girl, they, they broke up. They're not even together. And they still feel a sense of betrayal. This is how deep Betrayal can go. And Jodis, or Jodis, Judas, <laughs> Judas, Judas goes to the chief priests and he says to them, how much would you give me if I betray Jesus? This is such a, a deep statement. How much would you give me? They lay out 30 pieces of silver. This morning I woke up early and I said, how much is 30 pieces of silver worth today? A hundred to five hundred dollars to betray his Lord and Savior. To turn his back on, but to turn him in, to have him crucified, to have him, well, before he got crucified, flogged, whipped, beaten, then crucified for one hundred to five hundred dollars. Betrayal has happened since the beginning of time. In John chapter 13, verse 2, I want you to take a look at this. John chapter 13, verse 2, it says, And supper being ended, the devil having already put it into the heart of Judas, Simon's son, to betray him. The devil put it. Where did the thought of betrayal come? The chief priest didn't go to Judas and say, how can we get a hold of Jesus? Judas went to them. This is willful. We talked about it last week, right? This is deliberate. He goes to them and says, I want to betray Jesus. How much would you give me? And so Satan had already put it into his heart. I like this in the Passion Translation. It says it this way in John 13, 2, the Passion Translation. Before their evening meal had begun, the accuser had already deeply embedded betrayal into the heart of Judas. The accuser had already deeply embedded betrayal into the heart of, the, of Judas. Satan, since the beginning of time, has always been about ruining relationships. Do you know that to be true? He, he's always been about causing division, causing strife, causing breakups, friends that were once close, uh, leaders that were, you know, once close, relationships that were once close. He even, I mean, he even does it where he can, he'll split up mothers and fathers with their children. He, he'll split up, well, he knows he's trying to split up marriages. I mean, he's on an attack on, on marriages and sisters don't like each other and brothers don't like each other and cousins don't like each other. And in the family, it's been such a disarray because Satan has always tried to cause division and ruin relationships. I mean, one of the reasons he was kicked out of heaven 
was because he was causing division. This is who he is. And one of the things I've recognized when relationship starts to get ruined is most of the time Satan will attack you when you are tired, exasperated, or fatigued. When you're really, really tired, John, and you're, you're just fatigued and all of a sudden your good friend who you've known since all your life say something and now you feel like, man, he betrayed me. He's not with me. He lied about me. And then that seed gets planted when you're fatigued. So understand when you're tired, everything ain't as serious as what it appears to be. Listen to the words that are coming out of my mouth. I start asking myself this question because when I get tired and people start responding a certain way, uh, I start asking myself, myself this question, what else could it be? It may not be in a direct attack on me. It may not be about me. It may be they're going through something else. It may be they're struggling with something. Maybe they're having a bad day. What else could it be? I ask myself that. Okay, everything doesn't revolve around me. Everything's not about me. I'm not that important. Come on, somebody. Just say that after me. I'm not that important. That should free you. Let's say it one more time. I'm not that important. Everything don't revolve around you to where everything is about you and, and it's about and they attack me and they betray me. I'm, I'm just not that important. Come on, somebody. I'm not that important. And so when you're tired, Satan likes to take these opportunities to ruin your relationships. And, and what this is what he does. He waits until he waits when you're fatigued until you don't understand or agree with what someone has said and he takes those feelings and he starts to ruin the relationship. He says, okay, I'm going to attack them when they're tired and fatigued and then I'm going to cause one of them to either one, betray their friend or to appear to betray their friend. And what Judas did here, Judas saw Jesus and said, here's an opportunity to make some money. I personally believe this. This is my personal belief. I'm not saying uh, you can't find what I'm going to say in scripture, but you can't also find, you cannot not find what I'm going to say in scripture. But I personally believe Judas looked at Jesus and said, I've seen him get out of this. I've seen him walk through crowds of people and not be touched. I've seen him disappear. I've seen him heal people. I've seen him go away. I've seen people not be able to put their hands on him. I've seen him speak to people and they move out the way. I've seen him fall out. I've seen a lot of stuff. Jesus, because of my greed, Jesus is going to get out of this. And he's going to once again slip away like he always does, and I'm going to be $100 to $500 richer. Matter of fact, look at John chapter 13 and verse 27 here. John chapter 13, verse 27. I thought this was interesting. Now, after the piece of bread, Satan entered him. This is deep. Then Jesus said to him, whatever you do, do quickly. This is how deceived Judas was. That he had gotten to a place 
that he knew Jesus knew that he was the accuser, that he was the deceiver, that he was the betrayer. They're sitting there having dinner. Jesus is telling the disciples, one of y'all going to betray me. Now, if, I was, if it was me, I'm trying to sneak out, Latoya. I'm trying to get on out of there. Danica, one of y'all going to betray me. It's me. Let me get up on out of here. He knows something. It didn't bother him one bit. Then they're eating, and, and Jesus says it multiple times. One of y'all going to betray me. And they're looking around like, well, which one is it? And he's sitting there looking around too. Which one is it? Which one's going to betray me? Knowing all along that he knew it was him because he's seeking opportunity. He's looking to betray Jesus. He's seeking the opportunity to do that. And he's now he's now caught up in the buffoonery. Well, which one is it? Which one is it going to betray? And then they start eating. And then Jesus finally tells John, he says, hey, it's the one that dips the bread into, you know, sops the word. The, 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 new, or the King James says he sops the bread. It's that one. And it's Judas. And then he turns to him and says, whatever you do, do it quickly. Like literally, uh, you are the one. And, and Judas says, you know what? I'm so deceived. I got Satan on the inside of me now. This is deep. He, he, this is so deep that Satan entered him to the point where he, he's a disciple. How did Satan enter him? Well, I'm glad you asked. Go to John chapter 12. <laughs> Let's look at verse 3. John chapter 12 and verse 3. This is how I believe Satan got a hold of him. When Judas, before I read, before I read uh, chapter 12, verse 3, let me say, make this statement. When Judas's hard heart got hard toward Jesus, his heart opened up to Satan. As soon as he was able to say, I'm going to betray him. I'm just looking for opportunity. His heart got hard toward Jesus and his heart opened up toward Satan. Okay. Now let's read John chapter 12, verse three. Then Mary took a pound of very costly oil of spikenard, anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of oil. But one of his disciples, Judas, Simon's son, who would betray him, said, why this fragrant oil, or why was this fragrant oil not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? Then he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief, and he had the money box, and he used it to take whatever was put in it. But Jesus said, let her alone. She has kept this for the day of my burial. And look at verse 8. Well, verse 8's coming. There it is. For the poor you have with you always, but me you do not always have. Now, I want you to notice this, that here's what opened the door for this deception to occur inside of Judas. Mary... She takes an expensive oil and she begins to anoint. That means to rub or to smear on Jesus. Obviously, this oil 
was a fragrance that smelled really, really good because it said it filled the whole house. And the other disciples in the other gospels, Matthew in particular, talks about how good it smelled. And so this oil, expensive, he begins to, she begins to smear it on Jesus and she begins to dry it with her hair. This is honor. This is respect. This is love. This is worship. But Judas says, this oil should have been sold and given to the poor. Now, I thought this was interesting. What, she, what he literally said was, Jesus isn't worthy enough for this type of expense. So he literally said, it would be like saying, your loved one passes away and you want to have a nice funeral for them and someone stands up in the middle of the funeral and says, too much money was spent on this funeral. How disrespectful. His heart had gotten hard. I was talking to a friend that I used to work with. He's, he's not saved or anything. And he said he went to church with his girlfriend. And his girlfriend gave $100 in the offering. He was like, oh, my gosh. She gave $100. Oh, oh, my. And I said, Man, you don't think that the Lord Jesus is worthy of even more than a hundred? Oh, I don't think so. I mean, we need that hundred dollars. This is what most people think. That's too much for Jesus. This is what Judas thought, a disciple. That's too much honor. That's too much respect. That's too much reverence. That's too much money spent. For Jesus. No, no, no. Sell it and give it to the poor. We hear this statement. And I didn't intend to go this direction, but somebody needs to hear this. We hear this statement all the time. Well, why does that man drive that nice car? Why don't he sell that car and give it to the poor? Well, why don't you sell your car <laughs> and give it to the poor? Right. Why don't you? Oh, that's why? That's the same reason why. Right. Well, why, why, do, you, why do you have to have nice stuff? And, uh, and there, I like this one. That preacher is taking money from all these poor people. How in the world are a bunch of poor folks going to cause somebody to live a lavish lifestyle? How is that possible? Oh, they, they, them poor people, he, he, got, he got an airplane. And then he got, took that money from them poor people. How did poor people buy an airplane? Have y'all figured that out? How did, how did that happen? Poor people. Well, you got a bunch of the poor people. And how much did they all give? Well, they all gave a lot. I thought they was poor. It's the, it's the buffoonery that, that takes place. Now, I am not vouching for every minister that has. Some people are crooks. Okay. Some people are. I'm not vouching for everyone that has something. Some people are deceptive. But I, I'm going to tell you, when you're about doing the things of God and helping people and serving people, I'm going to let y'all know, full disclosure, as soon as the money hit the bank account at True Life, that money is gone. It's helping somebody. It's going to work. It's out. It, it ain't sitting there so I can, uh, let me, let me, pastor going to steal the money. It ain't there to be stolen. It's gone. Just like as soon as the money hits your bank account, where's it at? It's gone, ain't it? Oh, pastor. Pastor talking up there, he challenging me. I mean, it hit it, and it's out. 
If you got any vision, if you got any vision to do something big, when the money come in, the money is gone. Am I right? Because it's got to go towards the places to, to, to increase the vision that God has given you. It, it's, it, it's gone. I always marvel how pastors stole the money. That tells me he ain't got no vision. He ain't got no vision. So he, what, so the money's sitting there and, and then he could just, he could just steal it because he don't know what to do with it. And when you don't know what to do with what you got, Satan will start talking to you. Hmm. Oh, you got a lot of extra time? Man, I didn't plan on going this way, but you got a lot of extra time? Oh, I know what you can do. Go in there and start looking at that porn. Mm-hmm. You got a lot of extra time? Yeah, call that girl that you used to mess with from high school. You got too much time on your head? No, you, that's why every, every you, you better have a plan for your time. Or Satan will have a plan for your time. Oh, you got a lot of extra time? You know that guy? You know what, What's this one? Oh, my, my work husband. I rebuke you in Jesus' name. You ain't got no work husband. You got one husband, and it's at the house. Well, you know what I mean, work husband. No, I don't know what you mean. I'm, that sounds like you cheating. That's what it sounds like to me. I got a work husband. Well, my work husband, you know, he listened to me. As I tell my story about my husband, he be listening. Satan said, yeah, 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 yeah. I got him listening. I'm listening, too. And I'm going to set you up. This is how it happens. You just don't jump in the bed with somebody. It happens because you don't know what to do with your time. Or you don't know what to do with your money. I knew it would be quiet up here today. Let me get back on my script. And so Judas looks at Jesus and says, that's too much honor. That's too much love. Here's what should happen. The poor should have that money. But then the Bible tells us he ain't even thinking about the poor. He thinking about himself because he used to steal from the treasury box. He oversaw the money, had access to the money, people supporting the ministry of Jesus. And, you know, a lot of people feel like Jesus was poor. I've never seen no poor man have a treasurer, a full-time treasurer. I'll tell you that. And the full-time treasurer is stealing. And they still ain't missed a beat. And they told Jesus is poor. I mean, a treasurer is stealing money and they still able to do what God's called them to do. That's not a poor man. Glory to God. He's got a treasurer and he's stealing. And Jesus knew he was stealing. He's stealing the money. He's saying that money should come to me. That money should come to the money box, which is to me. So that I can do whatever I want with that money. It shouldn't go to Jesus. And I wrote this down. Jesus wanted, uh, Judas wanted to sell the oil because he was about to sell out the Savior. He going to sell out the Savior. So he said, you know, let's just sell the oil because I'm going to sell out this guy. This guy, this guy is worthless. This guy, this guy is not valuable, you know, $100 to $500. I'm going to sell him out. We need to sell this oil too. And he thought that there was too much love shown to Jesus. So he felt like this money belongs here. But Jesus rebuked him. When he said, leave her alone, he rebuked him. Leave her alone. This is for my burial. 
The poor you're going to always have with you, but me, you're not. I believe that's when Judas got offended. At that moment, that money should have been sold. If you read Matthew's account, Matthew's account tells us that other disciples were actually in agreement with Judas. It said the disciples said that money should have been sold. John tells us who, who, who steer-headed it. That, that money should have been sold. They, were, they didn't have the value of Jesus that they needed. We have to value Jesus. We have to value the things of God. We have to value the house of God. We've got to value the kingdom of God. We've got to value his presence and value the relationship that we have with him and, and value the time spent and value him in our, with our money and value him with our kindness and works and good works and acts. We've got to value him. But they didn't have the value. So they thought the money was more important than Jesus. And Mary understood it, that if I can give the money to Jesus, Jesus says, listen, you have prepared me for my burial. You value me more than the money. And Judas got offended by that. I believe the chapter before, because in chapter 13, we found out Satan entered him. Here in chapter 12, offense happened. And when offense happened, when he said, leave me alone, or sorry, leave her alone, he got offended like he rebuked me in front of everybody. Got offended, which means cut off. And when he got cut off, he starts saying, I'm going to betray him immediately. That next day, he left that house after having dinner with Jesus to betray him. And then he gathers up the scribes, the Pharisees. He gathers up the temple guards, the Romans, and he tells them where, they, where Jesus hangs out. This is deep betrayal. And then even to make it worse, he's going to roll up on Jesus and give him a kiss. And say, the one I kiss is the one. This is a bold brother who's got hatred in his heart because he was offended at what Jesus said to him. Listen to me. Many of us have been betrayed. Many of us have been the betrayer. You may not know it. As I was studying and praying, I was thinking, Lord, have there been times I've betrayed? And there, there probably has been that I've betrayed a friend. I know one particular friend. He's been a friend of mine since the third grade. Glory to God. Best man in our wedding. I talk to him probably still to this day. He lives in another state. We probably still talk, babe, what? Every day, huh? We probably talk every day. Still today. We said this early in our friendship. We said, ain't no girl, ain't no money, and ain't no mess going to come between our, our friendship and our relationship. And I'm not going to I'm not going to betray him. He's not going to betray me. You like this girl. I like the girl, too. You, you can have the girl. There's a whole lot of fish in the sea. Come on, somebody. The money ain't no money. You owe me some money. I forgive you, man. Forgive you. You know, forgive me or let me get the money, whatever the case may be. We're not going to let it happen. And any type of mess, we're going to squash it because we value the relationship. Some people say this, and I don't agree with this. Some people say, you never talk to nobody about your, your woman or your money. I disagree with that. Or your vision or your dream. I disagree. You're going you're gonna to need people. 
to help you navigate through your relationships. You're going to need people to help you navigate through your money. And if you got vision, you better be talking to people about your vision. Why do I say that? Because you're going to need help. And your vision could stir and spur something up in a person to say, I want to help you. I want to help you. I want to help you. And so there's these misconceptions because we don't want to get hurt. I know I don't want to get hurt either. But love is a risk. It's, if you're going to choose to love somebody, if you're going to choose to confide and trust somebody, it is a risk. What's the risk? That they don't love you back, that they hurt you, that they betray you. It is a risk. Stacy and I have a wonderful marriage. If she had a mic, she would tell you it's better than ever. Glory to God. <laughs> Amen. Amen. There you go. But when we got married, it was a risk. I don't know what the future holds. Right? It's a risk. Love is a risk. Will she, I'm going to tell her some intimate, deep things about me. Will she value that? Will she cheer it or will she make fun of me? Right? It's, it's all a risk. And what has happened, because we've been hurt and been betrayed, we no longer want to risk another relationship. Or we don't want to risk telling our spouse this or telling a good friend this or, or even maybe even risk getting into a new relationship because we've been hurt and been betrayed. And I believe the Lord Jesus wants you to be healed of this. Here's why. Because the very next, well, not the next chapter, the same chapter in John chapter 13, Judas leaves to go betray Jesus. And if you read (laughs) the following passages, Jesus comes out and he says, a new commandment I give to you. What's that new commandment? Love one another as I have loved you. I mean, he knows he's about to be betrayed. And the very next thing he says is love them. He's teaching us how do we respond to betrayal? To love them. To forgive them. To release them. And to let them go. With a broken heart, it's hard to release and let go. It's hard to forgive. But if we're going to follow the commandment of love, we're going to have to follow Jesus' example. Judas did not stop Jesus' mission on the earth. The betrayal that happened to you is not going to stop your mission on the earth. The betrayal that you, you need to forgive yourself. Maybe you betrayed somebody. That's not going to stop their mission on the earth. Jesus is telling us to love them. Now, I do want to say this. When I talk about this word love, that doesn't mean hang out with them every single day. Are you listening to me? Well, they stabbed me and I told them some secrets and they went ahead and they told Johnny them secrets. You know what? I'm going to tell you some more secrets. No, you better use some wisdom. All right. I love you, brother, but you ain't going to get no more secrets from me now. Sister, I love you, but you use that and you stabbed me right on in the back now. I mean, God, God, God bless you, 
No, you're not coming over for dinner, okay? God bless you. You love them. And then you allow the Lord to heal. It's a process. And God can restore. He can restore broken relationships. But I've learned, now hear me, I've learned that too often our guilty conscience has tried to restore relationships. I want to go deeper here, and God's not even trying to restore it. Mm, that's a deep statement. It's a deep statement, but it's true. God's saying, I want you to move on. And you're saying, but that's, you know, that's, that, that, that was my best friend, and and I got to, uh, oh, every time I think I'm going to get mad and I got to, I got to, uh, come on, can we go grab some lunch? And, and you're trying in your flesh to try to make it right. And God's saying, I need you to move on. I need you to move on. I've had some situations occur and I'll wrap up with this. I've had some situations occur in my life that tried to get me completely out of ministry before I even got started. Completely out before I could even get going. Some stabbing in the back. I'm not going to, if you had a mic, you could tell your story. I'm not going to spend all the time telling my story. But different stories stabbing back. And there was one particular one that I had a hard time with and I was trying to reconcile. And, and my conscience kept telling me, you know, you try to reconcile that relationship. And, and I was, oh, maybe we should go get something to eat. But I didn't really want to get nothing to eat with them. And, and the Lord finally told me, he said, the separation was of me. And this is what he said, you guard your heart. But this separation was of me. Now, I'm not saying God caused the betrayal, but God was causing me to go a different direction. And it didn't include that particular person. Now, I'm not telling people to leave their spouses. Well, you know what? I'm leaving my husband and spouse. Thank you, pastor. That's not what I'm saying. I'm talking about other, other relationships that have taken place that you may need to press forward. And God, it's what he told me in that relationship. He said, the separation is of me. You guard your heart. And this is the analogy he gave me. He said, that was surgery and you need to heal. But the surgery was from me. I was the physician and I cut it. And I need you to go do something else. Well, we see it in scripture, right? Paul, Silas, right? They get into it. Barnabas, tension came in. One went north, one went south, right? But the gospel got preached, right? I know you want to be buddy-buddy with everybody. and Oh, we're going to be friends forever. I love you. It, it don't happen that way. Oh, I love you, yeah. This relationship ain't going to ever change. When I got married, every relationship I had changed. And it needed to. Somebody say amen. amen. It's not going to always be that way. You're, you're going to experience betrayal. It's been happening since the beginning of time. Unfortunately, you may betray somebody. But here's what I want to tell you. Forgive them. Forgive yourself. If you betrayed them, ask them to forgive you and move forward in loving one another. Come on, somebody say amen. amen. You have to process the betrayal and the best way to do it is to forgive. I forgive. 
And Judas, when Jesus went to the cross and died, and then now Judas is saying, I'm sorry, I'm sorry at this point, right? He, he goes to the chief priest, tried to get the, you know, the money back. They don't want the money. They said, this blood money. They knew exactly what's going on. Want the money back. Then he committed suicide. When he could have, in my opinion, turned to Jesus and said, I was wrong. Forgive me. But he didn't do it. He didn't do it. You have an opportunity to turn to him and say, forgive me. I've betrayed you, Lord. I've betrayed friends and I've been betrayed and my heart's been broken. But I release your forgiveness over my life. This is how you and I experience true life. You have been listening to the ministry of Devon Alexander, pastor of True Life Fellowship Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. For more information, go to our website at www.truelifefc.org. You can also support this ministry financially through our website. Thank you, and remember to love, learn, live, and lead. Thank you.